Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I am your host, Danny, and I'm going to let you know who this feller is over here to my left. Probably your right on the computer screen. We've been talking before trying to figure out is his shirt blue, green? We're not going to do this aquamarine sea foam nonsense color palette stuff, are we? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it just shows my softer side. Is that what it is? It is. Is, is that one yeah. of the pastel colors? It is. Yeah, this is actually probably the only pastel colored shirt that I own. And my <laughs> wife is relieved because all my other shirts are either one of two colors, uh, mostly either blue or brown. So, blue or brown. Yeah, yeah, I decided to break out a little bit with this uh, pastel. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I, I like it. You, you said two colors. I was thinking like gray and black. I was like, oh, those are the neutral ones. But you got blue in there. So that's awesome, yeah, man. Yeah. I like blue. My favorite but color. Those of you that are familiar with any recent videos I've done, uh, I'm wearing a hat. You know, it's kind of funny because I got my Jesus shirt on, but I got my Bigfoot hat on. And the reason being is because, well, I need a haircut. Don't I need a haircut? We could have done that on the video today. I could have given him a haircut. It would have been, you know what? You need some bonus reel. We need some B-reel of me giving him a haircut. Don't leave me any comments in the description. Don't leave any comments on that. But I got a little bump up here, and so you know what? I'm putting my hat on because, uh, yeah, I need to talk to my barber. So, barber, if you're watching this... I need a haircut, babe. <laughs> yes, I call my barber babe because my barber is my wife. And so, nice. but anyways, you didn't come here to listen to me and my haircut and my hat. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to be talking about today is some of those obscure passages within scripture, some of the obscure mm -hmm. topics yeah. within scripture. And that's probably why you clicked on this video. So I have a good friend, a brother from another mother with me. His name's Matt. I don't want to go ahead and introduce him. I want him to introduce himself. So Matt, I'm glad you're with us today. Can you just tell mm -hmm. the people a little bit about who you, who you are, anything you want, what led you into... Uh, wanting to look into the obscure passages. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm really honored to be able to to be here on the podcast and big fan. And, um, you know, uh, so my name's Matt Swafford, and um, I, I've actually uh, been saved since I was seven years old, so kind of a long time. But um, my journey into reading and studying the Bible has kind of been a long one because for years, uh, you know, being a dad and a husband and other things, you know, kind of distracted uh, my personal journey, which should really should never be the case, but it, yeah. it was in mine. And um, for a long time, uh, I would be challenged by pastor, you know, or, or, or Bible studies, uh, or, or, or really even by other Christian men to do more Bible reading. Mm -hmm. And I just, to be honest, at that point in my life, uh, it just seemed so... Uh, it just seemed too much like work. You know, you sit down and, hey, who am I? I don't, I don't have this big theology degree. I'm just a regular guy. Um, you know, so if I sit down and, and read, I'm just going to be reading Bible stories and not understanding mm. all of the context. Yeah. So I avoided doing it just because, it, it, to be honest, at the time it seemed boring. Mm -hmm. And um, But I got challenged by, uh, I know Pastor Ken was one uh, mm -hmm. here at Open Door Baptist. Um, and a few other men to, to if nothing else, just to start praying that God would give me the desire to want to read, mm -hmm. and it, yeah. and it really started there. Uh, in you know, whenever I would start having my, I was doing a pretty good job at least of being consistent with prayer in the mornings, right, you know. Yeah. And um, so I decided to start praying for that, and it's really funny because um, the more I prayed about that, the more. I would get more from you from the apologetics side, mm -hmm. and a lot of my 
mentors are really a lot of the same guys uh, that uh, you know that that are responsible for kind of helping uh, um, teach you and get you uh, you know yeah. sharpening your intellect and right. Um, so I just started reading. Uh, I decided to kind of make myself. Uh, you know, during the weekdays, I would sit down on my Bible and at least try to get through a few verses. <laughs> and as I would pray, and then I and then I would read. And this this all started probably about ten years ago. Okay, um, I would get. I just I would find myself reading, and I would come across something that it, it would just be a puzzle. There'd be a question mark, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, so the you know obscure. So I I am a window and door serviceman by trade so I, i'm very familiar with glass and other things right and i was thinking about the word obscure yeah and, and in our terminology obscure is it would be in in, in the window business would be glass that allows light to pass through mm. but you can't see through it okay so it, it 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 obscures your ability to be able to see through it, it you know it's not clear mm-hmm. uh so in order to be able to see through something obscure, it needs to be clear. It needs to have clarity. Yeah, and that's that. So that's a really good term when you're looking at, at um, uh, Bible verses or something that you come across in the Bible that uh, you know it, it may seem out of place or mm-hmm. maybe you don't understand. I remember for a long time I would read certain Bible passages and mm-hmm. think to myself, you know, God is really kind of mean sometimes. Wow. You know, he just you know. How is it that you know a God that cares so much about us can really be so mean? And what I have come to find out, and you know, some of this we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, later, is that God always has purpose in what He's doing. And sometimes it's really easy for us to make a judgment call mm-hmm. when we look at Scripture out of context. Right, definitely. And um, and I have found that God always has a reason for what He's doing, and there's always there's always backstory, and then there's always preparation for something to come, mm-hmm. and so uh, the more that I did that, uh, you know, the more clarity that I got from not only the Bible as a book, mm-hmm. and by the way, it, you really have to read the Bible knowing that you're reading a supernatural document that mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, God has instituted this word. And, uh, you know, I used to kind of chuckle a little bit whenever I was told that until I started to read it and start to started to see how it's so, how cohesive that it yeah. really is. Um, but uh, anyway, the one other reason that you know that I got into obscure Bible verses that I think is important to cover mm-hmm. is, and I think you'll, I think you had a similar uh, experience. Is my children? Mm. My children would have questions, or uh, you know, being raised in a Christian home, or they they might come home from church. Or something, and have a really, to be honest, some really good questions and yeah. some hard questions sometimes. And I hated not having good answers because I want them to love God the way I love God. <laughs> and the problem is, a lot of times, kids get really disenfranchised with things that they read or mm-hmm. things that they're told or their peers. And I wanted to be armed with the information to be able to take them back to this this verse that they're looking at yeah. or a, a principle. Um, we actually, they, even though my kids mostly went to Christian schools, there mm-hmm. were things that came up oh, that yeah. were really hard uh, questions to kind of deal with. And, um, but, you know, we were able to really, really get through that. And uh, because yeah. the, the answers that we seek, they really are in the Bible. Sometimes it's just knowing where to, yeah. where to sort of dig that out. But, um, 
Definitely. But that, yeah, but that's sort of what got me into it, and mm-hmm. and then you know the more I did it, the more I was kind of nerding out with it. And, <laughs> yes, you know you <laughs> you start collecting you start collecting Bible passages and things like that. That yeah. um, sometimes it takes it may take weeks or months or. Sometimes you won't know what something means. It, to be honest, sometimes you, you'll never. You, so there's just sometimes, some things yeah. that we just won't know, and we have to accept that. Uh, there are some Bible passages, and one of them we'll probably talk about a little later, that you just really can't get a clear understanding of what it means, other than there is a principle there, and that's mm-hmm. what you have to take. You have to take away the principle. You can't necessarily focus too hard mm-hmm. on the event. You have to focus on the principle, and that's. Right. That's kind of a big thing. So anyway, I hope that that was Definitely. a really long introduction. So hopefully, I didn't put anybody to sleep. <laughs> that may have been the longest introduction we've had. <laughs> Sorry but about no, that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now that that's fascinating. You know, I can definitely relate with what you're saying as far as the kids and the kids asking the questions. And a lot of times, us as parents, we don't have answers to questions because we've never either looked into it, cared about it, or thought about mm-hmm. it. And nowadays, our kids, whether it's yes, millennials are still kids, even though technically I'm a millennial, but you got. <laughs> your Gen Z's, now your Generation Alphas that are coming up that have these questions. And so what we're going to be talking about today are going to be questions that kids in the church, as they're coming up, are going to ask. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just glad that God put the burden on you and the desire to look into some of the obscure passages. And I like how you sort of defined obscure as far as a window that's allowing light in that you can't see, you know, if you will. When you were saying that, I sort of thought about the the illustration of just like that, when you're talking about allowing the light in, but you can't really see. Mm-hmm. So in order to understand the obscure and see through the dis- obscure, does that mean you have to open the door to be able to see what's behind it? Sometimes, and is that yeah. sort of like what we're yeah. doing here today is un- opening the door of God's word? And a lot of times, like you, like you said before, people don't do that because either it's daunting, it's a challenge, they think they need some seminary degree to do it, but... Do you have any seminary degrees? No, no, I don't. And, yeah. and one of the things that I think is important too, and this is just this is just some free man advice, and and I'm not man advice. I, I'm, not, I'm not one to give a lot of a lot of free advice because most of the time I'm the one as looking I, for it. You're giving man advice as I'm sipping on my cup. <laughs> Although this is a Man City cup, so yeah, it, it is. But you know, it's it's trying to find someone that you trust who can mentor you. Now, I've been very fortunate that. Um, you know, God put, uh, you know, two or three guys in my life that really, um, there were people who I could go to that when I came across something and would get stumped, yeah. uh, you know, I could go to and ask them questions, but also just really for accountability. I mean, hey, guys, we, you know, we have to, we really need accountability mm-hmm. uh, just in our daily walk. And also, uh, I mean, if there's been times as even as a husband mm-hmm. or as a father that I've needed accountability. Uh, and also, the other thing too is raising kids and studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, having having someone that you trust who is a good godly person. Uh, and the way, by the way, the way you know if somebody's godly is you. It's real easy. You look at their life. You see, look at the fruit mm-hmm. that they bear in their families. Uh, you know, as far as their, um, you know, just the the things that they do, the way they interact. I mean, right. how do you know? Uh, you can tell if somebody's really legitimate by looking at the example that they set. And yeah. uh, so it's th- that's important because the only reason I'm where I am at is not because of a degree or anything like that. It's because men there were men who loved me enough to help teach me 
and these are not, and we're not even talking about guys who are necessarily my blood relation family. Mm-hmm. These are people in my church family yeah. that came along and and helped me to learn more and gave me some really good tools to be able to mine some of this information, right. some of these nuggets that we get out of out of God's word. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I think you already uh you sort of elaborated on how you got into the obscure realm, if you will. You know, I hate to use the term obscure, but I think it's sort of fitting with what mm, we're going to yeah. be talking about. And, and you defined what obscure is, obscure passages. Could you, before we actually get into the passages, could you let us know uh, what are some common passages that may seem to be obscure to people or veiled to people? What are sure. some of those? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my favorite ones, and in, in preparation, I knew some of the stuff we we're going to be talking about. I, I do have a few cheat notes. So I'm just going to be, I'm just going to tell you right now, I do have a few of those. You're giving so, away the secrets. So. Anyway, yeah, well, just in preparation, but just to make sure that I'm thorough in a lot of the things right. that I have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually have a, a list of a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know one of the biggest ones uh, that, and this is this is kind of funny, and uh, that I recently came across this, but yeah. it's uh, it would be Genesis ten twenty five. Okay. And uh, so if you if you, I'm just going to take my Bible here. I've got uh, let me look sword drill. Oh yeah, well, up I was there. always the loser on that. Oh, uh, you're okay. Yep, I see where you're going with this one. Yeah, Genesis ten twenty five. Yep. So, yeah, so Genesis ten twenty five is a verse where um, you, you get a lot of guys, a lot of creationists, and really well meaning ones that mm-hmm. read this verse, and uh, this is what it says: uh, Genesis chapter ten, verse twenty five says, "And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg." For in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. And the earth divided, when it says that, um, I remember the first time reading through Genesis, Mm -hmm. I I, I got a little bit hung up on that because I thought, okay, earth divided, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you come across things like this where you're reading along and you're following, everything's good to go. And then these, this is a little clump of words that's stuck in there, and you're like, wait, whoa, whoa, what is, what is, you know, what is this? The earth divided, you know. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think early on, I really thought that that it this was a geological okay. uh, question. So, in other words, um, you know, people, and I have actually read this a couple mm-hmm. by a couple of authors who. Yeah. Who thought this is a reference to uh, the continental divide? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you know, sometime after we do know that sometime after the flood, uh, you know, and basically the, the where the con- continental drift, you know, right. where the continents separated, and a lot of people in still to this day they really hold that view, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and and maybe maybe that's it. I, I really don't think so, though. Based mm-hmm. on some of the other scriptures that I found to mm-hmm. collaborate uh, my, um, you know, my belief and yeah. and what I believe this is is that this is more. Uh, we have to read a little bit more uh, about this. Uh-huh. Um, and in for for that we need to go back to Gen- or, or read a, a little bit ahead at uh, Genesis ten thirty one. Mm-hmm. Genesis ten thirty one says. Um, these are the sons of Shem, uh, after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after their nations. So now we we're told that uh, the the generations that we just read, mm-hmm. including uh, Joktan and Peleg, the, these are the generations of Shem, and it mentions after their tongues. Yeah. So wait a minute. Now before we get there, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, we kind of have to back things up a little bit. 
and um, and take a look. So anyway, th this is a really good reference for uh, you know t tongues, lands, and nations. So so we have a divide. The thing that we have to look at here is now we have a divide. Um, because they were separated, and mm -hmm. that's what that's what uh, verse thirty one is telling us. Okay. So, yeah. uh, you know, also when you look at uh, the at the Tower of Babel, which yeah. is also uh, mentioned in the very next chapter, chapter eleven, mm -hmm. um, we have this divide of the people where God linguistically divides uh, the people into nations. Yes. And basically, the, the short answer to all of this is, is it was during Peleg's generation mm -hmm. when the people were separated, when they were divided. And, um, and, th and that's just a little historical nugget the Bible's giving us of, so, hey, this is, this is a time frame. So Peleg is the generation in which the Tower of Babel happened? Th that's right. Okay. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that would be, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking at generations, and the thing is, is yeah. while this may not make a lot of sense to us Westerners, mm -hmm. This is really good history for mm -hmm. for our Jewish or our, our friends from Israel. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, this just gives us a, a time frame for when that when the Tower of Babel would have happened. So this more looking at an overview of the genealogy, if you will, at the end of chapter ten, and then moving on to chapter eleven, it's sort of tying into that last part of chapter yes. ten. Yes. Yep. In that Peleg is one of those that were during this Tower of Babel incident. Yes, and, okay. and what's funny is too is the way sometimes the way the Bible records history, right. it's not in the same order that we might be accustomed to. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, you know, it's almost like just before it actually brings up the story of Babel, it happens to mention, hey, uh, you know, the, the this divide happened during Peleg's right, yeah, uh, during Peleg's day. So and then it, and then it, then it goes on further to explain what that divide was, which is what a lot of people have hangups with with Genesis and Genesis one, one through thirty one. It's six days of creation. Then in Genesis two, some people believe that that is totally different order than Genesis one. When in reality, Genesis one is sequential and Genesis two is just focusing on a particular portion mm -hmm. of chapter one. Okay, definitely. What, do you have any other thoughts on any other common obscure passages that people are unfamiliar with? Yeah, so I, I have a, one that's quite controversial that okay. I'm, I'm about to, to, to bring up. So uh, we, uh, we we get into controversial things at times, don't we, over here? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so this one really t spun me around a little bit, and uh, so my did you my have your finger on your head so. when you spun around, sort of no, like do a pirouette? I didn't, but, oh, okay. but I felt like that's what my brain <laughs> felt, you know, trying to figure this one out. But right. uh, this is going to be. We were just talking about this the other day. Yeah, uh, this would be Exodus uh, chapter four, twenty four through twenty six. Sword drill. Yep. <laughs> Exodus four. Yeah. So this is the account where. God oh, seeks yeah. to kill him. Yeah, you know, you know. So the the uh, <laughs> oh yeah, man. This is uh, and I and I actually looked into this, and it's funny because some some uh, Bible scholars they kind of steer clear of this, right. and they just they'll point to the general principle, and they don't mm -hmm. try to break it down. I'm a little. I like. I like to live on the edge a little bit. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a couple of thoughts. Yeah. <clears throat> on this. And but at the same time, I'm also going to approach this from, uh, and I'm going to begin by saying, there is no true clear answer here. This is mm -hmm. truly one of the cases where we have to apply the principle and not um, not try to be too dogmatic, dogmatic about about, it. about right. you know where we're going. But I think I make mm -hmm. a pretty strong case. Yeah, let's hear for it. this. So 
Uh, so the context of this verse, and I, I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and read it. Um, yeah. And it uh, this is uh, yeah Exodus 4:24, and it says, and it came to pass by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go, and then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. So who is the him? So that's the that's question number one that we have yeah. to answer is who the him is. Because right. just before this is what we get is God explaining to Moses what he is a, what he's about to commission him to do. The burning bush incident. Yeah, it's the burning bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes through and gives him, and God's very detailed in how he wants Moses to approach Pharaoh mm-hmm. and the messaging. And so um, I, I think it, at face value, most people say, okay, this is Moses. This hymn this him is Moses. And, um, you know, so, you know, Moses is, you know, God's going to kill Moses because he didn't circumcise his son and okay. all that. Um, I think that's, I don't think that's a good uh, explanation of what this means. And, I, and I'm about to explain why. That does seem to be the easy thing to say because we're, you know, we're just talking about Moses, you know, a little bit before that. And, um, uh, but I really don't think Moses is who is whose life is in danger here. Okay. And, uh, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that yeah. here in just a minute. Um, so when you go to uh, Exodus 22 and 23, which are the two verses just before right. these, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son and even thy firstborn. Mm-hmm. So just before this is mentioned, just before this is brought up, here we have some some key things we need to look at. It mm-hmm. says, "Israel is Israel is my firstborn. Let my son go. If you refuse, I will slay thy firstborn." So you, those are the things. That, that's the things that you need to pull out of that. Right. And well, then we roll into twenty four, and it says, "You know, it came to pass by the way." And there, there here's Moses and Zipporah at an inn in Egypt, and and Moses is about to approach Pharaoh with this very clear message, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe so. A lot of times, the Bible will set up what what it's telling you, and if and if you can't really glean what's coming out of the verses themselves, a lot of times, if you back it up a little bit, true, uh, it'll give you a little bit more context. So we here we have Moses, who is about to be the mouthpiece of God Himself, mm-hmm. Jehovah God, and um, one of the things that you will learn if you study the Bible very long is God takes extremely seriously those who represent him in public. Okay. So mm-hmm. if you if you stand before people in a church, if you stand before people at a podium, right. at a courthouse in a, at a at a political gathering and you claim to know what God wants and you're and you're saying these things, he takes it extremely personally. And one of the things that I think that Moses learned through all of this is preparation mm-hmm. um in in you know basically Moses neglected uh, to get his house in order before he was about to go stand mm. before uh, Pharaoh, and what I believe was happening here is Moses clearly was very apprehensive about the whole thing to begin with. Right. He really yeah. was, mm-hmm. 
Um, and of course, it, and the reason why I really don't think it was Moses is because we we read earlier on in, in chapter four, Moses got pretty. I mean, uh, God got pretty mad at Moses, and it says, you know, uh, it says that the Lord was angry, but the Lord didn't kill him. Right. He didn't, and he didn't threaten him. So I don't understand yeah. if it was Moses. Why would he suddenly decide to do that now? What right. I what I think this is is Moses not having his affairs in order. I.e., being, uh, you know, having the circumcision done particularly for his firstborn son. Mm. Uh, and because with, so with, with the covenant, with God's covenants, most of the time, particularly in the Old Testament, there was always blood. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, even today, you know, if you think about it, you know, we're, that covenant still stands, but it's through the blood of Christ that we, that we have that covenant with God. But, um, but here, you know, Moses had not, uh, you know, he had not prepared in in every way that he needed to. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God was going to allow him to experience what he was about to send no. him to do to Pharaoh. Yeah. And so uh, Zipporah, being a good wife, mm-hmm. you know, I could see, you know, sometimes Michelle has to correct me. Uh, and <laughs> No. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She got, <laughs> hey, listen, she got this business done. Zipporah got it done. And it probably wasn't pretty. Right. But her, she was about to lose her firstborn son, and right. so she made it happen. And then she was pretty upset with Moses for not making sure this was done before. Before, yeah. And then she cast it at yeah, his she feet. She cast it at his feet. Like, you, you know, you should have had this done. Yeah, you should have had yep. this done. You should have done this. It so was she your stepped job. up and did what Moses should have had done. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm pretty sure that's the context. Now, mm-hmm. again, we really. There's not a lot we can pull from that. This is we only have this, but to me, yeah. it, it makes the most sense in this particular situation. And um, so I, I really believe that Gershom mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, Moses' firstborn son was who was the one who was about to lose their life, okay. not Moses himself. Yeah. And uh, as a side note, yeah. uh, by this time Gershom would have been a grown man. Ow. <laughs> so well, Moses was not a, he was not a young Moses was about 80 years old when yeah. this happened so Gershom was not a small boy sort of like Abraham when uh, God instituted <clears throat> the circumcision with Abraham and, mm. and Abraham's like what and then all yeah. the other men there too so I I'm glad I was uh, just a wee little boy when it happened you know well, I could only imagine well think of Levi and Simeon when they went to defend the honor of their sister mm. uh, you know and they they <laughs> <laughs> they they talked to uh, uh, I forget the name of the, uh, the the men from the city, but anyway, told them that if they wanted to join, uh, you know, or, and, and be able to marry into the into the family of Israel, that they they had to be circumcised. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too graphic with that, but basically, yep. they waited three days when they were the most sore, yep. and they went in and and. <laughs> Basically destroyed <laughs> the men. I mean, the men were uh, yeah. Oh, they, they made it a, a strategy of battle. So I could only there's a imagine. lot to be said. I could only imagine at that point. That's so. uh, it's, it's a little comical, oh, you know, when you man. think about it. But it's pretty slick. I'll give them that. It was. It was. It really was pretty. Definitely. Pretty slick. So uh, well, I, yeah. I, I want to get into some specific uh, passage. Well, we've already gotten to some specific passages, yeah. and so, yeah. but I want to get into some that are frequently asked by a lot of people that watch these videos and just within. Scripture and church themselves. And the first one's over in Genesis chapter six. Okay. Yeah. Sword drill. 
or drill. Good thing Holly's not here. She'd be both I don't know. of us. She would be. She would. She would be dominating. <laughs> and I, I'm slow anyway. Man, I really am. It's funny whenever you watch people on their digital, you know, iPads, phones, whatever, and yeah. they're like, "Okay, we're turned to this pass," and they hit it. And they have to wait, and they have to wait, and they hit it, and then they have to wait, they have to wait. I'm just not a digital guy, you <laughs> yeah, know? I'm not either. a digital yeah. guy. Definitely analog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Genesis 6, 1 through 4, I'll read the passages. And, and basically what I want to ask is, could you clarify what are the various views of this passage and which do you believe is most accurate and why? So Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and it says... It came to pass when the men of earth began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and that they took them for wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. What are the various views as far as this passage? Specifically, obviously, we're looking at these giants. And uh, what do you think is most biblical? Um, well, the I'm only really familiar, honestly, with two prevailing views, mm -hmm. uh, one which I take, the uh, the other which I uh, disagree so, with. So what do you disagree with? Yeah, so what I disagree with is um, I have heard the argument that uh, sons of God would be the sons of Seth. Okay. And the daughters of men would be the daughters of Cain, mm -hmm. and that they there was a the daughters of Seth, I mean, the sons of Seth were considered to be pure, and the daughters of Cain were considered to be sinful, mm -hmm. and they were because Cain was cursed. The yeah. sons of Seth uh, intermarried with the daughters of Cain, and then it just created this, uh, you know, atrocity or a uh, an abomination, if you will, of mm -hmm. race of people, and um, and it's and most of the people that take that that stance are people who really have a hard time wrapping their mind around just how supernatural this book really is and right. how involved uh, the spiritual aspect of the Bible really mm. falls into place here. Um, so that first view is more looking at godly people and ungodly people intermingling. Yes, intermingling with a cur with someone who is cursed. So, with someone you know, who's Cain, cursed. because he was the first murderer. Right. You know, and there's... Uh, the, honest, honestly, there's not a lot to substantiate a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Particularly, you know, the, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't make as much sense as what I believe to be the truth is yeah. with a lot of this. So, um, my view on this is uh, well, first of all, whenever I was looking this through, uh -huh. uh, and and th actually, I learned this from guys like you. Go back and look at what some of these words actually mean. Mm -hmm. So let's let's get some clarification. Yeah. So when you know, whenever you're looking at sons of God here, mm -hmm. so sons of God is actually interpreted as, um, uh, or uh, in fact, the Hebrew uh, pronunciation is Ben Elohim, mm. uh, which most often means male offspring of Elohim. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so we we so we know male offspring of Elohim. So now, mm -hmm. what does Elohim mean? Mm -hmm. 
Well, Elohim is a word, is a, is a Hebrew word that is most often interpreted as the word God, or mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's also used as the word angel. Okay. And so, um, with bearing that in mind, so now what we what we know for sure is mm-hmm. this could be sons of, uh, you know, uh, offspring of God or offspring of angel. Okay, right. So either way, what we're looking at here, you could use either one of those, but we're mm-hmm. talking about something or a being from God's realm, not okay. necessarily God Himself, although. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be, but it's but this is more the idea is God's realm, right? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. so then uh, then we have the uh, you know basically the contrast that's being drawn here mm-hmm. is uh, we have God's realm, you know, sons of Elohim, mm-hmm. and then we have earth dwellers. Okay. Uh, so you have daughters of men. So mm-hmm. we have. Uh, I mean, uh, so you, with the daughters of men, you know. So now we have we have. Heavenly realm, earth dwellers, and and I don't want to get too deep into the whole realm stuff, but uh, basically you have one of the things that we know is the, the wars that we face every day, mm-hmm. even today. There's a spiritual aspect to it, and then there's a physical. Yeah. So we do have these two divide, or we do, we do have these two facets of our faith, right? And it's almost like a combo or a clash of what that is. So. Uh, now I want to stop right there and mm-hmm. back things up. And the the other thing that has to come into play here mm-hmm. is the declaration of war from God on Satan. Okay, and we can get that whenever we go to uh, Genesis. Let's see, it's basically where he puts enmity between he and the woman. So you're looking at Genesis three. Yeah, so Genesis three. Yeah, so it's Genesis three fifteen. It says, "I will put em- uh, enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed mm-hmm. and her seed." And it shall bruise uh, thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this is God's declaration of war on Satan. You know, so after the fall, and and what this means is is this is a blood this is a blood thing. Okay. So now we're now we're talking about uh, a you know this is this goes back. It's funny how everything comes back to the blood. It honestly yeah. it does. It, it it comes full circle to, huh. to the blood. Yeah. So you have uh, this this war. Well, the Messiah is going to come through the woman. And, you know, when you think about this on the spiritual battlefront, Satan is an extremely intelligent being in the Bible. There's a lot to be said about that, and Mm -hmm. we might probably get into that a little bit later too. But um, what better way to thwart God's plan of the seed of the woman Mm -hmm. than, than to corrupt that seed with evil or corrupt that seed with, um, Something other than the than pure blood, you know. So looking so, at the aspect that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of the woman. Yes. So he's looking at, hey, if I can corrupt the bloodline, I can corrupt the Messiah. Type, That's correct. You know? okay. Yeah, yeah. So he was, um, and the thing is, is if you think about it from a strategy of war, mm-hmm. it's it's not a bad play. Right. It's actually a very smart thing, <clears throat> and so, um, but the but the result of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Consequential, you know, whether planned or unplanned, was we have a it, it what ended up happening is it created supersized humans. Okay, is that the giants that we're looking at? And that's at the giants, four? yeah. So which we if, when we when we go down and yeah. we look, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, the giants in the land, you know, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it clearly tells us, you know, whenever we get down to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we get down to verse four mm-hmm. there where it says, and there were giants in the earth in those days, and um, so. 
anyway, that's where that's where our, the giants come from. Mm-hmm. And um, it said th- again, this a lot of this is going to be uh, conjecture and all that, but it, it is believed that a lot of the um, uh, Greek mythology, right, and uh, and a lot of their heroes and gods mm-hmm. were actually people. Right, or they uh, some of them actually existed at least in some form, not some necessarily form, right. as recorded, but uh, that but they are all rooted in some truth based on uh, giants or Nephilim, which is what yeah. that, that would be what that word actually means. Which, by the way, uh, what that what that means is uh, so that's the root word for Nephal, which actually mm. means fallen, uh, and then. In the Septuagint in Greek, it translates as gigantes or gigantes. giants. Okay, yep. <clears throat> so that's where that that, that comes from. Um, so anyway, some really big people yeah. came from there, and I believe it's just a. Uh, it this is a consequence uh, or an, or basically a result of the war in the early stages between God and, and Satan, or Satan or Satan trying to uh, stop. His his imminent demise. Yeah. So would there be any supernatural aspect to these Nephilim in verse 4, or are they just like giant human beings? Well, you know, I really don't think there were, other than just being really strong and really big, you know, I don't know that there's a lot that the Bible has to say Mm -hmm. uh, about them. Um, In fact, there's not a lot of places. It it mentions it only a couple of more times, and we'll see the name Anak. Come up, okay, right. Anik mm-hmm. is probably one of the most. Uh, that is, that would be the great grandfather of of uh, Goliath, who okay, um, uh, who we may talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so uh, there's a lot of mention of Anik, and he was basically the godfather of a lot of these, huh? Uh, a lot of these Nephilim or giants. So, would that be the cause of the flood? So yeah, I, I believe that. The purpose of the flood was to well, so there was two main reasons for the flood. Okay, and and again, this is my this is my take on it, and okay, and uh, so uh, you don't have to agree <laughs> uh, with it. But um, the the first one would be I do believe this was one of God's way to correct this uh, abomination that Satan created through uh, taint the tainting of the blood of the woman. Okay, and um, and the woman being. Israel, or the, okay. or the, or the, or man, you know, you mm-hmm. know. So the, uh, anyway, which a lot of that would come later, right? Uh, but, but the other is during this corruption, the one of the things that the Bible's pretty clear about is mankind was evil Wicked. in every thought and deed that they were doing, with mm-hmm. one exception. We have our, we have our man Noah, yeah, and um, it was through. Noah, because of his because of his relationship with God and his choices, that mankind was uh, was saved, mm. and um, you know God used him as the vessel, no pun intended, as mm-hmm. uh, to be able to keep the you know keep Line. humans alive yeah. and well. Right. Um, but but yeah, so no, that that to me would be the main cause of the flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it, it did have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, and remember, the core of the reason for that was it was well, it was sin, but also uh, Satan. You know, trying to uh, corrupt the bloodline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God 
was forced into doing this. It's not yeah. like God says, well, I'm just tired of all of this. You know, he wants a flood. Right. You know, and this is another case where sometimes God There's gets a, a bad rap for things. Yeah. Yeah. So in Second Peter chapter number 2, verse number 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So here in Peter's letter, his second letter, he's talking about there, there is a specific group of angels that have sinned that are currently in chains reserved unto judgment. Mm. And that we get this idea when we're looking at the word hell in the Greek in verse number four, it's not Sheol, it's not Hades, it's not any of these common ones. It's the only time this Greek word is used and it's tartaros is how I pronounce it, sort of like tater tots <laughs> in our tater, tartar sauce, but it's tartaros. And basically, uh, this is a what I would argue is it's a holding cell for a specific group of demons mm. that are actually associated with Noah's days. Mm. And so that's another aspect that, yeah, I would definitely agree with you as far as the Nephilim and, and uh, these angels, if you will, that yeah. came down with angels the daughters of sin. men. Yeah, wow. And so, but definitely. So looking at that, I want to talk a little bit about this guy by the name of Nimrod. Now, if I say Nimrod, what do you think of? Do you think of like someone that's like a Nimrod? What does that even mean today? A dork. A dork? Someone that's dull? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. It, 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 it sounds like an insult, doesn't it? It you sure know, does. Call somebody a, a Nimrod. Well, apparently there was uh, some guy in the Bible named Nimrod that was a uh, pretty powerful guy. And so I'd like to look at that. I think he's found in Genesis chapter 10. That would be... Verses number eight and yep, nine. That's right. And we're really, we only get two verses about this guy. And so as one that likes to study the obscure, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So Nimrod, yeah. Um, so Nimrod is a descendant of Shem. In fact, it is... Yeah, so this is Shem's grandson. So we, we're mm -hmm. talking about Shem, who's the son of Noah, Shem, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Right. Nimrod was a, uh, a son of Shem. So Nimrod, we're told that um, we know that he was a hunter, mm -hmm. um, and it says, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. So uh, this this isn't a this isn't alluding to his strength. This is an this is alluding to his. Uh, uh, leadership state uh, status, okay. not you know. So sort whenever like he authority. becomes mighty, yeah, his authority. Uh -huh. And in fact, you, whenever you read down, um, it said, uh, besides being a hunter, it says in the beginning, and and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erek and Akkad, and I'm not probably not pronouncing these correctly. So I'm I not Jewish. I don't know how to speak in, Hebrew. <laughs> in Kina, uh, in Kina, I called it tartar Kain. sauce. Yes, it's almost like Canaan, but anyway, yeah. in the land of Shinar. So we he, we know that he was at least uh, a king of, you know, it, it names uh, mm. four uh, areas or four, yeah. four four territories. Yeah, in, in the land of Shinar, and um, so it, he is credited with. You know, that's a lot. If you think about it, so this is in the early days, and that mm -hmm. had not been done before. Mm -hmm. um, one other thing, too, is that remember, if you if we back this up just a few verses, mm -hmm. God told Noah basically to be fruitful and multiply the earth. The, uh, so the the uh, the idea here was to 
spread out and and mm-hmm. and you know uh, multiply on the earth. You know, basically let mankind build back up. You know, okay, he, right. he wanted things to be restored. Right. And um, that was uh, that was Noah and his sons uh, what they were what they were told to do. And this mm-hmm. is something. And one of the things that's important is. Uh, Going back a long time, most of the time these these kinds of covenants or directives were passed down through the generations, and mm-hmm. so uh, it's most likely Nimrod had been told this principle or be giving this uh, uh, given this principle, I guess by his by his forefathers. But they mm-hmm. clearly were not doing what God wanted them to do. Okay, right. Um, and then because we know that he was the king of Babel, we mm-hmm. also have. Uh, or Babel, I keep saying Babel, whatever it is. I don't know. I caught a tartar uh, sauce again. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, as long as everybody gets the context, that's the main thing. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's we see this this incident that happens with this tower, and you know, this kind of goes back to that earlier verses. You know, when we yeah. were talking about uh, um, uh, P leg and all this with mm-hmm. the Tower of Babel, um, that. You know he was responsible for for leading this this uh, land that was building this tower, mm-hmm. and um, you know one of the things it's it's sort of conjecture, but there's a few uh, good scholars out there mm-hmm. that really believe that the point of the there, there's all kinds of things. I, I remember as yeah. a little kid without any real study, you know, a Bible teacher I had says, "Oh, they were just trying to worship God. They were getting ahead of themselves and God really didn't want this going on." No. Okay. That's that's <laughs> not that's not at all, that's not at all what was happening. Right. Uh, in fact, we it got God's attention so much that he personally came down and walked among them or, yeah. or came down to check it out to see what right. was going on. Yeah. And uh but uh and we can see by you know what he says, uh, you know, in in it says you know in verse six of chapter eleven it says, uh, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and then and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Uh, something I want to point out right here. This is after God observes. So yeah. many people say, "Oh man, you know, they're humans are so smart now. They can they can build towers, and now they're just going to get." Uh, you know they're going to get super smart and they're going to be able to build all these things and mm-hmm. you know we have to separate them because they're going to get too smart for us and that's not at all what God is saying here what God is saying is uh, you know whenever it says nothing will be restrained God is saying that sin will abound and they will not restrain themselves that they will do whatever basically pops into their mind would that be because uh, it was a prideful event because, that they were doing it yeah, yeah that they were once doing pride takes root that, that's right that, I think so. Also, uh-huh. uh, pride to me. Um, so, this is a big task. So they, I don't think they would have just built this tower out of pride. I really think they were okay. worshiping something. Okay. Yeah. I really think there was something else going on here. Now, the mm-hmm. Bible doesn't really give us what that was, but right. some people believe it was uh, that they were um, astro. You know, they were worshiping astrology. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, with the stars. Right. And in fact, there's some. A little bit of uh, uh, you know some information out there. You can do some reading. Mm-hmm. You'll just have to Google it. But uh, that it's possible that they were yeah. worshiping stars. Um, you know, the other thing too is it could, because there are some uh, illusions of this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, yeah, says reach up to heaven and let mm-hmm. us make a name, lest we scatter abroad the face of the whole earth. Right. But anyway, um, 
when you think about worshiping stars, mm-hmm. you know, fallen angels are called stars. That and is true. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of connections there. Yeah. So I don't want to get too deep into that because uh-huh. the Bible really doesn't tell us, but it would make sense yeah. um, of that. And also, uh, it's funny that they specifically say, lest we be scattered abroad upon the earth. So this is a direct, this is flies in the face Against. of what God had told them to do. So this yeah. is a direct rebellion. So think about so think about Nimrod this way. Nimrod led the very first rebellion against God. Hmm. And he he did it uh, uh you know through the avenue of this tower and through, and through yeah. the allow if whether he, it was his idea or whether he allowed the promotion of this idea. Right. It flew in the face of what God had instructed them to of, do. Yeah, right. He says, unless we or lest we be scattered, mm-hmm. like you said, God had told Noah and the descendants to go fill the earth. And they're like, no, let us do this so that yeah. we're not scattered. Yeah, don't they care what God no, they says. Didn't want to. Yeah. 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 They were, it's just fly, flies in his face. There's also some, it's funny because I actually heard this mentioned once. Now, this, yeah. there's very little to be uh, connected here, but it's interesting. Some people believe uh-huh. that the Antichrist mm-hmm. will be a version of Nimrod. A version of Nimrod. Yeah, like it will be so. will be like a almost like a reanimated Nimrod or mm-hmm. something like that. So basically, uh, you know how there are we're, we're going to be seeing some uh, we're going to be seeing some throwbacks to the Old Testament. Whenever. Oh, that's that would make so, a good sermon title. <laughs> throwbacks. Yeah, yeah so some throwbacks. Throwbacks and, in the end. So uh, and we know that Satan has the ability to raise the dead. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, is it the same way God does it? No. Is right. it in, is it uh, as as powerful as when God does it? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. But we know, you know. In fact, going back to Exodus, I mean, he mm-hmm. had uh, he was Satan's power to the magicians was powerful enough to duplicate a lot of what God did to a point. That's true. Yeah. And then and then God just kind of right. shut it down. Yeah. And, uh, they were then they were no longer able to right. to, to do these things. So we do know that there is uh, Satan has a lot of uh, supernatural abilities. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Could yeah. be maybe I don't know. Maybe there's uh, somebody with Nimrod's DNA out there. I don't know. But anyway, th- well, that's, that's, that's a bunch yeah. of just conjecture. Like I said, it's just one of those things. It's just kind of cool to talk about. But there's no what would you, nothing to say. But. What would you do if you did one of those DNA tests and it came back and and it has been proven that you are a child of what? What, what, what would you do? <laughs> Nimrod is worried. your grandfather. Yeah, I'd be kind of worried and also puzzled because I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm on the other team. Come on. Uh, good old Maury yeah. Povich yeah, hey, for no, you. <laughs> yeah, put me in, Coach. I'm I'm on the other team. Yeah, you no, know, I, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go. I get that. Now, one of the things that I've mistaken the flood for as a whole is thinking that the flood's main purpose, or really only purpose, was to get rid of all the Nephilim and the giants. But that always led to a question I've always had, and it's found in Numbers thirteen thirty three, because a lot of people that hold the fallen angel view, like I do. And they'll be like, yeah, so the Nephilim corrupt seed of Messiah, so the flood came to go ahead and wipe it all out. But then we get the Numbers 13.33, and then we get the report of, I believe it's the 12 spies that go in to spy out the land. And in verse 33, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come out of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so... We were in their sight. Mm. So my question really is if the flood was only for 
getting rid of the descendants, the offspring, the mighty men of renown. Why is it after the flood, years after the flood, that we still see the Nephilim alive in the land of Canaan? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So actually, um, now, again, some of this stuff is going to be conjecture because we it's really, uh, there are some things that, that the Bible is not going to give you a uh, what I call uh, you know petri dish evidence mm. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, so so one of the one of the things to note here by the way Anik is that a cool name it reminds me of something <laughs> from Star Wars you know I don't like know Anik, anything Sons about Sons of Anik is Star Wars the guy yeah. that does that no 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 that's Star Trek See, oh, oh man all my haters oh, my, oh, <laughs> oh, oh what do we do what do we do. It's all right. Star Wars. It's okay. We forgive oh, you, brother. Star Wars is that Hans guy in yes. Luke and yeah, yeah, yeah. someone's of father. Anakin. Anakin. Anakin Skywalker. Skywalker. But anyway, okay. I, think, I thought that was just kind of funny. So I'm getting kind of goofy here. I just lost about five subscribers there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, so one of the things that's interesting is um, I, I really, I did ponder about this and I have some mm -hmm. thoughts on it. Um, one is is that we have to remember angels are both physical and spiritual. Mm -hmm. So um, angels, uh, in fact, Ben Lane and I were talking about this in the mm -hmm. office the other day. Yeah. And uh, so when we, when we when we consider that, it, I mean, it's possible that mm -hmm. some of these angels, the original corrupt, the ones who started the original corruption, maybe I don't know if they could change form. I don't. I'm not really sure. Other mm -hmm. than. We do know that the program got rebooted after the flood. Okay. At the end of the day, the program got rebooted. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one thing, though, that uh, God made sure of is David got the pleasure of eliminating the last <laughs> of the uh, the last yeah. of the Nephilim, and that would have been Goliath and his four his brothers. Brothers, yeah. And uh, because David himself killed a couple, and then his mighty men. If you read uh, through, it might have been might be. Second Samuel, uh, that, probably First Samuel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we, we see that uh, they eventually uh, get they, they completely wipe out Goliath's family, right? Yeah, in, systemically or, or systematically through over time, you know. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't all happen like when David's a boy, because some of uh, Goliath's brothers weren't killed until later. Later, yeah. And uh, but but David had the uh, pleasure of killing the, killing off the last at least the last that the Bible mentions. Yeah, that's all we know of. And then really after that, you really don't see him brought up again after yeah. that. So it, it was a it was a failed program that Satan had. It was smart in the beginning. It was, but th again, this is what you're going to find as you read through the Bible. God is honestly, he's probably. 10 steps ahead of Satan at the very least. Satan doesn't do anything that surprises God. Mm -hmm. And um, he has, God has safeguards in place after safeguard after safeguard. Yeah. And God's, God is the greatest of all strategists. And, <laughs> anyway. you know, his wisdom cannot be outdone. And, yeah. you know, but Satan has, you know, you, you almost have to give him a couple of points for trying. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, from man's perspective, it's really not a bad uh, strategy, mm -hmm. but it wasn't good enough. You know, yeah. I mean, it was it, it didn't it didn't last. Uh, and like I say, and then uh, then we have a great warrior like David and, mm -hmm. and uh, he was able to. 
take care of them off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, finish them off. That's why one of the Hebrew names of God that I really like is Jehovah Sava, mm -hmm. which is the Hebrew name for the Lord of Hosts or the Lord of the Army, Lord of the Angelic Army, because you get this idea that uh, he is this military uh, general strategist, and like you're pointing out here. So no, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk. Let's jump over to Book of Daniel. So jump over to the book of Daniel. Daniel. Now we've studied this together as a church a little while back, 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 back. Yep. So yeah, every now and then I just start breaking out in song, but <laughs> we've studied this book out a little while back and then we got to chapter number 10 and in chapter number 10, we get this, this account that Daniel is praying He's praying for an answer to a prayer, obviously. But in verse 13 of chapter 10 of Daniel, it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. Now this is Gabriel speaking. He says, But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And it's interesting because it says, first, the kingdom of Persia, uh, the prince, and then it says, the kings of Persia. Now, if this is angel uh, Gabriel... And Michael, the archangel, had to come. This doesn't appear to be a human ruler in Persia that is withstanding one of God's angels. Mm -hmm. So as far as this is concerned, is this some sort of demon fallen angel, some sort of devil that was in control of a region? Are there demons or angels in charge of different territories? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so... Um I believe that there are that, that that there are demons in charge of territories and things. Um, so, to be clear, um, so th this is a good way to look at it. Uh, Satan learned from the master, literally mm -hmm. the master, how to organize a good army. Yeah. How to uh, so Satan is not like God. God is, uh, you know, God is. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He's everywhere at one time. Omnish, uh, omnipresent. Omnipresent. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, Satan is not omnipresent. Satan, yeah. Satan has locality. He right. has to be here or there. Right. However, um, his ability to delegate is second to none. Mm -hmm. He has a very good uh, authority structure. Mm -hmm. God has a great authority structure, but and Satan learned this from him. Mm -hmm. So because he is not omnipresent, um, he has... I've truly believe uh, that he has uh, the most powerful of kingdoms divided up and mm -hmm. and he has generals in charge in fact yeah. when you get into revelation and everything you can see that there are uh, there are different powers and 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 you know there's just a lot there yeah. uh, that we see and, and I believe that this is one of those cases where um, you know it, it, it can almost be it can almost be physical, um, and you know, so that kind of brings up something because you know we were talking about Moses earlier, and, right? Yeah. And one qu question that has has come up a while back is, uh, you know, what's this deal with with Moses, the body of Moses, and and uh, Michael Michael disputing with Satan with Satan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something I want to clarify here that I truly believe mm -hmm. when it comes to the uh, the hierarchy or the authority structure of angels, mm -hmm. I believe that they are ranked, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the Bible sort of alludes to that. All right. Uh, and some people say, oh, Satan, you know, he just, man, he just really, you know, 
Michael, he was just too powerful for Michael and all that. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think Michael 100% could have taken on Satan and, and ended this. However, even preceding any of this fall from, from Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, there was an authority structure. And I truly believe that Michael honoring God's authority structure, mm-hmm. knowing that Lucifer at one time was his superior mm-hmm. f- from the standpoint of just like a military right. uh, rank, mm-hmm. that he opted to defer to God. And, and you, when you see that, he, he deferred to God. Yeah. It, it wasn't because he was afraid. It wasn't because he was weak. Mm-hmm. He was honoring God's authority structure. Mm-hmm. And he, so whenever Satan began to push back, he stopped. He... he did what any good soldier would do. He went to the brass and he was like, Hey, we have a problem. Yeah. I need you to go, you know, I need, you know, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to handle it yourself? And God took care of it. Right. And, um, so anyway, that's something that came up. Um, and of course, then you have to ask yourself the even bigger question. Why would they debate over the body of Moses? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some conjecture about that too. I don't know if you want to hear that. So what's but, your conjecture? I have my thoughts. Yeah. I believe mm-hmm. That uh, some you know some people believe that it will be uh, Enoch and Elisha as the two witnesses. I held that so. view until I interviewed Dr. Andy Woods, and he brought up some interesting uh, insight that I've never thought of, and I had uh, since apologized <laughs> for holding that view. Oh, really? So I yeah. once held Enoch and Elijah, but now I don't hold that Enoch position. Yeah, and, and neither do I. And a lot of people are not necessarily too far off believing mm-hmm. that just because you know Enoch uh, walked with God and then he was not right because God took him mm-hmm. so people say oh well Enoch did not die therefore you know he's got to see death and we, we don't really know what's going to happen but what we do know is is when you look at Moses mm-hmm. and the comparison to there, there's really a lot of things that kind of point to Moses from Moses being present at the Mount of Transfiguration right. mm-hmm. with Elisha Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses, uh, something interesting. Here's a little nugget I'm gonna throw out there to you. <laughs> so, Mo, if you read, oh man, I need to look it up now. I think it's in Matthew, but there's a one of the one of the accounts. Let's see what is it? Where Jesus steps off and speaks secretly to Moses and Elisha about his coming death, uh, and it doesn't say what he says, but he just speaks. He he steps away and to speaks Moses to and Elijah. Yes, to Moses and uh, yeah, the, uh, the okay. Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, yeah. Let me find that passage here in Luke nine. Um, if you look at Luke nine, uh, verse it's verse thirty one, but I'm going to back it up a little bit and uh, oh, excuse me, hit this and it says, um, uh, let's go back to verse twenty eight of Luke nine. It says, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up unto the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and, and, and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So what the, what the Bible's telling us here is Jesus steps aside and is talking to Moses and Elias here hmm. about his death. Yeah, I've never picked up on that aspect right there. Yeah, yeah. and so... It's it's just it's wild because there is what we have to remember is there is a big plan here, mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ has orchestrated every single part of this. In fact, if you want to if you want a fun study, go through the Gospels, the four Gospels, and watch how Jesus 
reacted to every single encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, what you'll find is it, it, it's crystal clear that Jesus controlled every aspect of his, uh, whenever it came to his teaching, mm-hmm. when it came to his encounters with attacks from, uh, you know, the Pharisees, mm-hmm. right. uh, whether it was whether stoning, and especially his arrest. He orchestrated every single thing. If you look, he was always in control. Hmm. And it's yeah. crazy, but he and, and you know why? Because this is all part of a plan. Just like this, uh, this was a part. This is something that had to happen. And I believe one of the reasons that I really believe that uh, Moses and Elias or Elijah will show up at the end is because they've been part of this far beyond, far before you and I. You know, they from the beginning, yeah. and um, so Mo, I think I think it is Moses. I don't think it's Enoch. Going back, to kind yeah. of bringing this back full circle. Yeah. Um, that uh, that will be there. Now, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but there is a lot more pointing to Moses. Oh, and yeah. by the way, if you look, if you read and you look at what their powers will be, calling down fire, fire. from heaven, mm-hmm. and um, uh, what's the other uh, what's the other thing that? The well, I know their main is? ministry is reaching Jewish people and reaching yeah, reaching you know? Jewish people. Yeah, and so sure. and that was one thing when uh, interviewing Doctor Woods. Oh, water into blood. That's what it is interviewing Dr. Woods is the fact that if their main purpose is to reach the Jewish people, the Jewish people weren't around in the days of Enoch. That's true. Now, he may be somewhat of a central figure within Judaism. Mm. I'm not positive, but he's certainly not up there to the level of Abraham from what I understand. And so when you're looking at who are the two witnesses that's going to reach the Jewish people that the Jewish people are going to resonate with, I don't think it's going to be Enoch anymore. It's going to be Elijah, obviously, and then we're going to have Moses because Moses was powerfully used for the Jewish people. It's interesting when we read in the Old Testament, there's two main periods of history that the Old Testament really revolves around. Most of the Old Testament revolves around the Exodus and the Babylonian captivity. Mm. And uh, when I look at that, I just think that it's a big p- reason why I believe it's Moses as well, because he's a central figure in the Old Testament history yeah. during that time also. Well, well one other thing to, that I'll add to that to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying is um, positionally, how where was Israel whenever Moses was sent in to rescue him? I mean, in, in terms with God, they'd mm-hmm. been, they weren't... They weren't. They really weren't where they should have been. No. They were away from God. Right. So Moses was sent in. So Moses would be the perfect guy to send back at the end from a from, an, from Israel that's mm-hmm. away from God. Right. Uh, to try to turn him around, he's got a little bit of experience <laughs> at, at doing that. He's, he at does. dealing with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so anyway, yeah, I, that, that's one of the reasons why. But I could definitely sense. see that too, because now that you mentioned that, so you see Moses going into Egypt. Freeing the people out of Egypt, and then they go. They're stuck at the Red Sea, and they look. The Egyptians are following them. Same thing with these two witnesses are going to be used to reach these Jewish people, the Jewish remnant. At that time, they're going to have to flee to the mountains. When I think of the word "flee," I think of the fact that they're running, if you will, for their lives. Hmm. And so that would be another another similarity between Moses and Exodus, hmm. and this Moses during that time because they're fleeing from that persecution too up to the mountains. And so I just thought that was fascinating as well. Well and I, I got it this is this is yeah. funny. This is the this is some Marvel universe like stuff that I'm about to tell you. <laughs> this someone, is this someone, is free. Someone told me I look like Thanos 
with my beard. Do you see Thanos mm. with my beard? I, I don't. Hopefully not because Thanos does not have a good chin. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm going to say about that. Prune chin. All right. You know, but I thought this was cool. You know, back when I was doing some of my study, you know, I was yeah. reading about things about Moses and something that I never caught. You, you probably, I'm going to read this and most of you guys are going to go, yeah, duh. But, uh, <laughs> but reading back through chapter four of Exodus, uh, I didn't realize that God gave Moses his staff, his stick. Like okay. that's a su- it's a super stick. A super it's a, stick. It's a it's a magical stick. But no, it says <laughs> yeah. But God get, he he hands it to Moses. He says, "And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs." God gave him that thing. It's, no. See, in my mind, I always thought, well, Moses, you know, he was he was a shepherd or whatever. He You're always he had a, a stick. walking around with a stick. No way, man. He got this really cool <laughs> stick from God <laughs> to to do the miracles with. So it was a special <laughs> stick. It wasn't he he didn't just he didn't walk into the palace with any old stick. God had a God had given him a special special <laughs> staff. <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, yeah. I just thought that was kind of cool. I was reading back through, I was like, "No, wait a minute, man! He got a he got a special tool here, something uh, kind of unique, yeah, you know, to work with." So uh, anyway, no, I just thought awesome. that was funny. Well, you you somewhat alluded to it when we were talking about the Prince of Persia and, and territorial angelic uh, uh, influence, if you will. So I want to talk a little bit about Satan, this Prince of Tyre, mm, if you okay, will. Yeah, Ezekiel, oh yeah, yeah, Ezekiel twenty eight, yeah, I believe Ezekiel it is. Ezekiel twenty eight. Yeah, let's check it. And out. so there's a mention of two different people. It seems. It seems that there's a mention of a Prince of Tyre, and then there's a mention of a King of Tyre. Could you elaborate? Are there two different people here? Is this the prince that just becomes the king? Is the prince mm. the son of the king? Are <clears throat> these both human? What? Yeah. What? Who are these people? Yep. So I feel like I need to read the, read through some of this chapter. But, yeah. Um, just to uh, the only reason I say that is just to bring context. But but, okay, but, but, yeah. I'll, but I'll tell you what I'll do. Just, I'll spare everybody all that and just give you the overview. But yeah. So basically, we have. Uh, Ezekiel mm-hmm. and um, Ezekiel is given a message to give to the uh, prince of Tyre and uh, basically uh, this prince of Tyre had really gotten a little bit he he'd, it's not that he was too powerful although he probably was mm-hmm. but he began to get really full of himself he right. was so successful and so he had gotten away with so much and um he was he was very wealthy. He was very mm-hmm. powerful, uh, to the degree that he started to believe in his own heart and mind that he had he he was becoming a god himself. Like, okay, you know, everyone yeah. should worship me that because of the level of power he had. Right, and then you think, man, you know what what was so special about this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we what we what it is is we find out later there is a king of Tyre, and it, mm-hmm. and the prince and the king are two. Different people, and Two they're not. Of, they're, then we're not even talking about like the same. Fa- we're not talking about a family of, uh, of of royalty here. What we're talking about, or what you see when you read this. Uh, and by the way, one of the things that God tells this prince of Tyre for being mm-hmm. becoming so full of himself right. is he's he's going to get obliterated by his enemies. He's going to yeah. send in people to to wipe him out, and he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's actually a historical record. I wish I could remember the name of. Uh, suppo- there's a couple of guys who, whenever I was looking at this yeah. passage a long time ago, that actually had some historical record of what they believed this battle was, where this guy gets wiped out. But okay. I, I, yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a that's kind of a side note. 
So then we we figure out as we read a little bit later why or how this guy got there and the way the way that he did is uh, we have the the king of Tyre who's true we have the true power behind the man so the prince the prince is the face the prince is the one that everyone sees the prince mm-hmm. is uh, he's the he's like the president mm-hmm. you know he's been given this power and all this authority mm-hmm. and it's been given to him by what we later on realize is Satan. And uh, and what's funny is, is uh, God takes a moment, and I love when this happens. You're reading the scripture, mm-hmm. and God gives us a history lesson <laughs> that he kind of sticks into yeah. the middle of it all. You know, you're reading along, and it and then it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord, uh, let's see, Son of man, take, the, take up thy lamentation against the king of Tyre. And... Um, you know, and then we then we start then we get the strange description of mm-hmm. this this being or person or uh, entity that um, it, that God calls full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Right. Uh, whoever this is, God tells us that he was in Eden. Yep. Um, and Eden, the Garden of God. You know, every precious stone was thy covering. Uh, by the way, a lot of whenever you look at this, whenever it talks about precious stones, it doesn't necessarily mean they were covered in precious stones, mm-hmm. but it, a lot of that is an allusion to colored light okay. around them. Okay. So yeah. uh, sometimes, but that's a way that the Bible will often sort of like it. Uh, I, I don't want to get new agey or anything, but like an aura. Yeah, or like an aura. Like, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of like that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's mostly because you know you don't. It, it's not like he was walking around in sequins. You know, that's uh, <laughs> like a rhinestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, walking around with rhinestones on his <laughs> on his on his outfit. No, this is more of a description of um, the you know his beauty. So he, he basically has all this this color about mm-hmm. him in a colored light. Yeah. Um, so it says, "Thou anointed cherub that covereth." Uh, so, uh, so anointed cherub that covereth. Basically, what that means is, is he was put in charge. So he was covered. So he, he was a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's saying here, you know, the anointed cherub that covereth, anointed cherub that's over things that I have placed you over. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the idea that's being given here. Um, and it says, "Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire." Whoa. So stones of fire, uh, we know from Revelation, stone of stones of fire is a uh, that alludes us to the throne room of God Himself. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, I mean, think about that. You think about how many times the Bible mentions the throne room. It's not much, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, mostly here, and then and then in Revelation. There's maybe a couple of other places, but yeah. And and this this being is cast out of the mountain of God, and. Uh, uh, and basically, we have this declaration: "I will destroy thee, O covering cherub." So, mm-hmm. uh, I'll destroy thee, O you know, uh, cherub. So we have this uh, this angel that's in charge. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Mm-hmm. Uh, cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may ho- behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries, and. Um, and something that's that's pretty wild here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we have uh, uh, whenever we know, and it just says, yeah. And I love like verse nineteen. It says, "All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Sh- mm-hmm. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more." Mm-hmm. So, and this is actually this is a this alludes to re- uh, Revelation when he when he is finished in full, uh, because right now. 
uh, it says, all they that know thee among the people. Well, right now, there's not a whole lot of people that know him, but there's going to become a time when there are people that know it. The yeah. people know him. So in right. other words, they uh, people, uh, one big mistake that people think is that Satan is this, is really just the idea of evil or mm. Satan, uh, to think about Satan is just, he's he's the personification of, of, of things bad that happen. When in right. fact, Satan, formerly Lucifer, it truly is an individual, is a being, is someone who plots mm-hmm. or has plotted and continues to plot war uh, against God and, and against heaven. Right. And um, so there's going to be a time when... Uh, it, People choose, literally choose to worship Satan or Lucifer for who he is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny because there's this idea that that it's all going to be in, in you know disguised and really simple, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that possibly pre tribulation and pre rapture of the church, it is going to be a lot more subtle. But we're going to reach mm-hmm. a time I think mm-hmm. uh, whenever. Right at the end of the millennium, whenever he's loosed for a season, mm-hmm. it's it pretty much says he's going to gather the armies of the earth right. one yeah. last time mm-hmm. to one just one last fight to yeah. try to to try to win, and um, and that's when he's going to get frog marched out here in front of everybody. And you said, <laughs> you said frog march. Yeah, frog, yeah, frog what is march. That's just where they that's where they just so they just grab you by the arms and drag you out there. You know, <laughs> I like that so, imagery. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, he's just going to get marched out in front of everybody. Uh, mm. And basically sentenced and and in imprisoned for one final time, right? Uh, so, you know. So anyway, yeah, that's that. But that's what that's about. But yeah, this is so. This brings in a lot of ideas too. So I don't I don't want to drag things out too much. But think about this: if during this time we have at least three, uh, we have the, this this instance in Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this instance here in Ezekiel. There's yep. also one more. Uh, you have the Prince of Persia, then there's... Um, as far as territorial? Yeah, territorial. I think there's one more So I somewhere. know uh, when I had preached my message TikTok, there was the four angels that were bound in the Euphrates. Yeah. And that was in Revelation 10. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, what that tells us is there are leaders. These are We're talking about world leaders here. We're talking about... Who literally are controlled and and are given given power by Satan? Yeah. So there's a lot of implications there. Now I'm not I'm not going to step out here too much, you right. know, and get yeah. real conspiratorial. But what it does tell us, though, in truth, is that Satan does control certain territories. Mm-hmm. Does it mean he controls them all? I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I don't really right. know. Yeah. We do know that Paul tells us that he's the prince of the power of the air. Mm-hmm. So for now, Satan is allowed, and let me be real clear, he is allowed dominion here. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, he, he is allowed to have it, and that means sometimes Satan gets, you know, Satan, believe it or not, he's got free will just like we do, just mm-hmm. like men does, and he does not always use his free will for good, no. which is, you know, just like kind of like mankind don't. You know, we've been given this great gift that we abuse every single day, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's it's pretty wild to think that you know he has control over certain areas, yeah. and you know, like I say, maybe all of them. But I mean, um, you know, think about some of the power. I mean, our world is changing so fast at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, it really makes you wonder. And um, 
The other thing too, now this is where you, this is where you can get real deep in the weeds, but uh-huh. Satan has locality. So what does that mean? He's at at least one place. He's at he least has, at one place right now yeah. as we sit here. Mm-hmm. He is he is somewhere yeah. here right. in, on the earth. Yeah. So that's crazy to think about too, guys. I mean, if you yeah. think about that, but it bring but it but it really clarifies how serious this war is and how important this book is that uh, that that tells us kind of. The story we're living right now is all right here, every yep. bit of it, and um, yep. it, it tells us how it began. It tells us it, it already tells us how it's going to end, yep. and uh, and every bit of it is all surrounded by and 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 has Jesus Christ intertwined <laughs> in it. So, Amen. Amen. You know, so it, but that's cool too. And you know, the, that's going back to Moses. I'm not going to beat Moses to death here, but uh, you know, the burning bush. You know, we how right. Jesus tells the Pharisees. In his, uh, whenever he's talking to them, that he he is I am, yeah, yep. And and when Moses asked who, when he was talking to the God in the burning bush, he says, "Who should I who shall I tell your people yeah. that I'm representing?" And he said, "I am." Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is telling the Pharisees. So that's another interesting point yep. too. Jesus was telling the Pharisees, "I'm the one who talked to Moses in the burning mm-hmm. bush." Yep. Imagine how angry that probably made them. And, yep. and if you read that, that's one of the times they tried to stone him. But yep. my point is, Jesus has been involved in the physical uh, conducting of the way this Bible unfolds from day one, yeah. from the creation. Um, <laughs> uh, it, I, I could go on forever, but one of the things that fascinated me, now th- I'm going to give you some a bonus here. <laughs> So of course, let me go back where to Genesis. At? I'm going back to Genesis chapter. Now, one. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, right now, we're supposed to be under a tornado watch, oh, not a tornado man. warning. So our sirens were going off here. I've heard them. So wow. I was just checking our weather, and uh, right now it seems like we're we're good. Hmm. Oh, yep. There's my alert. Tornado Let's warning see. near your location. Well, Cho- we're no. we're we're in a concrete structure, so hopefully yeah. uh, we're in the uh, we're in the bunker. Tornado watch in Altaga, Alabama, Altaga County for until 5 p.m. this afternoon. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Should I wrap it up, or can I dro- can I drop some more knowledge on you? What do you guys think? No, I think they said keep going. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're we're protected here. Granted, uh. Yeah, we may have to duck out of these windows. There are some windows in this room, so yeah, we're gonna we'll we'll have to see how this goes. I'm gonna try to make this quick, but something you know, t- talking about how personal things are. Right. Um, going back to Genesis chapter two, something that really kind mm. of stirred my heart a little bit is we have uh, when you go to Genesis chapter two, verse mm-hmm. eight, and this is you know you were talking about this earlier about um, how. Sometimes people misunderstand the chronology of Genesis right. and, and how you know you have creation in chapter one, but then uh, in chapter two and some of the sequential chapters are coming up. You know, God mm-hmm. kind of backs it up and then gives you some specifics of what happened right. in chapter one. Yeah, and you, when you go to verse eight and it says, "And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there uh, and there He put the man whom He had formed." Think about this. God planted a garden. So God here being Jesus Christ, um, Jesus, th- this has all been about him. You know, when a lot of times, not in every instance, but you know, when you when you see instances to the angel of the Lord, a lot of times it is it is Jesus Christ. And there's ways I, I won't get too deep into that, but there's there's ways to tell. And and I love this statement, and it says, 
uh, every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. So this is, this is Jesus. This is God. He brought them unto Adam to see what he would call and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Mm. So he says, so it says Jesus brought these things to Adam just to see what he would call them. He was curious. Yeah. He loved Adam. And so he, he, he was, it's just, um, just the wonder and and the joy that Christ took in spending time with Adam, he he wanted to see what he would name him. Yeah, you know. So it's like here, you know, Adam has free will. Remember, guys, Adam has free will here. Adam can make these decisions. He, he Adam is intelligent. He can think. Right. And God brought him these things just to see what he would call them. And it's like <laughs> when you think about that, think about somebody that loves you that's just so curious. Like man, you know, just. God loved us so much, and and just the care that He took. He planted the garden. He br- he yeah. loves spending time with Adam, and he's he's bringing these things to just uh, you know just to see what He's going to call them. I love the way that's phrased <laughs> in here. Yeah, you know, just the care that He took definitely shows how God is personal, and Jesus Christ before the incarnation, yeah, very personal as well. No, I yeah. love that. Yeah, but but I like you that. are anyway, a softy. So. That pal- a softy. That pastel yeah. shirt does does bring out the softer side of you. <laughs> we'll have to talk to Michelle about that. It, it does. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get us too far off track. Oh, so you're yeah, good. I know we got things going on. So I think uh, the last question we had real was talking about the book of Revelation. Hmm. And in Revelation chapter number nine, Revelation nine talks about uh, scorpions or mm. things like scorpions oh, that have oh, the power yeah. to sting people and... Uh. and uh, People would wish they were dead. I'm going to read the verses real quick in Revelation 9, 7 through 10. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of running chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. Mm. What is this? Are these locusts? Are these scorpions? Are these... What's going on here in this passage? So it's... it's I have heard so many different things. Um, the most common one. <laughs> so back when I was uh, probably in my mid to late twenties, uh-huh. uh, I read this old book called Revelation Visualized. Okay, and because um, I was just trying to, uh, you know, back even then I was sort of trying to get my head wrapped around Revelation. And right. To me, the I cannot remember who the author of that book was. That's mm-hmm. that's actually the correct title, Revelation Visualized. Okay. But anyway, yeah, it, it was. Uh, Later on, uh, I came to realize a lot of his premises were not correct. But, mm. um, but he believed, you know, and, I, and I've heard this so many times. Oh, this is helicopters, and these are these are sold. You know, imagine what a soldier with a gas mask looks like, and all to these him, things. Yeah. But the the problem is, is, I could never accept that. Like it doesn't. It still doesn't fit. Yeah. So um, then I, I started doing other reading and heard some other opinions on there. And then, you know, and then I started looking at it myself mm-hmm. and this is, this is the thing. Let's look at what, what it says about these things. Yeah. Um, verse two says they come from the pit. Mm-hmm. So that's our first clue. These things yep. come from the pit. Yep. Uh, let me tell you something, guys, helicopters don't come from the pit. I mean, maybe they do, but it's never, it's not any helicopters I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, two, they have the power of scorpions. Mm-hmm. So, what do scorpions do? They inflict pain. They cause harm. You know, 
So, and how do they do that? Stingers, um, physical stingers. We're, we're not. This is not a, uh, a, you know, a metaphor. This is this is talking about actual pain. Yeah, I'd imagine helicopters, um, even if they have those like thirty millimeter. Well, no, thirty millimeter, but the large cannons and guns on them. Mm. That wouldn't be a sting like a stinger. That would more destroy and kill right and yeah. maim rather than just call pain cause pain that's that's right exactly but yeah. what else you know, well the other thing is too is they can they can follow instructions like physically mm. follow because you know it says and to them it was given that they should not kill them but they should be tormented uh, five months so they can follow instructions the, so helicopters don't follow instructions i mean maybe soldiers do but y- right. there's a lot there's a lot that has to be uh bent Right. Uh, in, in order to make that fit. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, it also says, you know, they they cannot hurt the environment. So think mm-hmm. about that. What does that mean? So they can't even hurt a blade of grass. No. So the whole time they're here doing what they're doing, they can't hurt the environment. In which I would argue that the helicopter would hurt the yeah. ground and the landscape topography, causing it, it, holes, it divots, well, fire. Well, think about it, it, even, Let's just say, let's just say this. These are soldiers in some kind mm-hmm. of a suit. Well, they're mm-hmm. tearing up the ground. They're they're right. if they're firing weapons. If they're doing, mm-hmm. they're they're destroying things. Right. Yeah. So these things are they they are managing to inflict pain without in without uh, destroying or altering the environment. Right. Uh, per instructions. Right. As we we're saying. Um. Also. <laughs> and this is the crazy part. People people affected cannot die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from their affliction. And and mm-hmm. I I I'm gonna throw out there. They may not be able to die at all. Mm-mm. I mean, imagine being in pain and you're like, I'm just gonna come up on this building and jump off. Mm-hmm. You hit no. the ground and it's and then you get up and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you get up, but you know, that's kind of nuts. But think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about not being able to die. That mm-hmm. in some ways. That's a bizarre punishment, you mm-hmm. know. Like it's one thing to die, but what about being in pain and not being able to die? Right, just having to suffer the entire time. Y- yes, suffer. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Go, so going back to the this, this scorpion. So then we have these fit this physical description of, uh, uh, you know, right. You know, hor- they were shaped like horses in the battle. Heads are as crowns like gold. Faces. Whereas of men, I'm gonna tell you what these things will scare the jeepers creepers out of you when you see them. I, I so basically adding to, totaling all this up. These are demons. These are this, this is going to be some kind of uh, uh, demonic being. Uh, the other thing that that gives us a little bit of a, a uh, clue to that is they have a king, mm-hmm. and his name is Abaddon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, king, maybe that's, that's an allusion to a commander or a leader. Right. But uh, but they have leadership, and this king also comes from the pit. So, you know, or we can we can make that. Um, right. Uh, yeah, who's also from the pit. But, yeah, that's, um, I don't know. That, that right there, it all points to yeah. a, a demonic presence or a demon. And, um, I, you know, it is my belief that the further in time we get, the closer to the rapture of the church we get, the more we're going to see more and more strange supernatural things. I think, right. I think that it'll leave, it might even be to the point that we become numb to it a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that, um, you know, without getting too crazy, you know, we have these UFO sightings from the from the from the DOD mm-hmm. and other things like that. No. Um, 
I don't know what any of that means. What I do know is um, it would be a really good excuse for people disappearing uh, if there's enough narrative out there that says, hey, you know, we have we're, we have space aliens or something that yep. are making visits to the Earth. And um, I know that, uh, you know, it'll – whether that's it, I don't know, but I do know yeah. that they are – you know, I, I've – done some reading and there's a, there's some actually some fairly credible sources that really believe that all that's true. So mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but, uh, but yeah, these are definitely demons yeah. uh, in, in my, my opinion from what I see. Yeah. It's fascinating, especially in the fact that they come out of the bottomless pit, they come out of the, the abyss. Then the fact that they're, uh, it, it caused them, they came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And then when you think of locusts during that time, you think of locusts that destroy the harvest for the Jewish people. They were agrarian society. And so it, it tries to paint this il- illustration that it's an insect. But then when you get down to the descriptions, like you said, they're anything but a natural thing. These are some sort of demonic entity that is similar to a locust. I would even go so far as say they have the ability to fly, winged mm. creatures. Yeah. And because uh, we know cherubim and seraphim uh, fly, they have wings as well. And then, yeah, like you said, people will seek death. And in verse six, it says, death shall flee from them. And so the biggest thing about that particular passage there is you don't want to be here during that time. Oh. And the only way to make sure that you are not there during that time is to make sure you put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust him for the covering of your sins. And the death, burial, resurrection is the only way to make sure that you will escape that particular judgment in Revelation 9. Mm. And so I think that was the last question I had for you today. And yeah. so I just want to yeah, thank well, you for being here. Appreciate you having me on. I is there anything, really enjoyed it. anything you want to just button up, close up, say, you know, before we say goodbye? Just one thing. If you, if you don't find yourself being hungry for God's word, mm-hmm. um, Pray about that, but make it a matter of prayer, especially if it's something that the Lord's really been bugging you about. You know, if you're not spending regular time in the Bible, I mean, daily devotional books and all that, that's all well and good and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, taking the time to say, hey, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to read the book of Genesis. I'm going to read this and sit down and actually try to make time. Get a good study guide. There's there's lots Mm -hmm. of them out there. you know, uh, just but you know, do I mean obviously do your due diligence and mm-hmm. be careful about who your who your authors are, but uh, pray about pray about reading God's word, and I promise you that fire He will light a fire in you uh, to where you'll just you you'll want to spend hours. I, sometimes <laughs> I find myself getting frustrated because I have to I have to get the guys at the uh, at work started. You <laughs> yeah. know, when I'm in there reading and I get in this really juicy bit of scripture here, I'm yeah. trying to. Glean things, and then I get interrupted, and then so I have to put a pin in that, and then and then wait till the next day. And I never thought that would be the case, but yeah, it is. That's you awesome. Know, you know, it is. So yeah. anyway, but just that, just that, and uh, just appreciate you. Uh, uh, I'm honored to be on the on the on the podcast, and and uh, awesome. love C4C and what's going on with them. So. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here, and uh, uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, blah 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 blah. You know what to do. And until next time, God bless. Yeah.